I don't know, there's something in the microphone. Anyways, okay. we're live. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to fourth episode. Episode four. Of Psyched Out. Uh, we'll be talking about toxic relationships today. Um, I'm Alicia, if you don't know. And I'm Xavier. And um, so today we're going to be talking about co coercive, co coercive. 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 <laughs> coercive control tactics and toxic relationships mm -hmm. um specifically in intimate partner violence but we'll also talk about like non other tactics that aren't violent um and we'll share some personal experiences with being in toxic relationships or people we know who are who have been them or are still in them and um we'll answer some questions from our viewers so I'm trying to see actually if we'll be better without this light. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Looks yeah, yeah. better. It's like giving me a glare. Okay. <laughs> so God, I should have wrote down the how many tactics there are, but there are a lot. And basically, um, so we're gonna be referring to the person who um is toxic as the perpetrator. And um, we'll refer to the person who's experiencing the toxic relationship. Um, I don't want to say victim, um, so I'm going to say um, significant other, um, just for reference. Um, so basically, in toxic relationships, the perpetrator, um, it's like not instant. It's a grooming process, kind of like, I don't want to compare it to pedophilia, but because pedophilia has a grooming process mm -hmm. when they choose their victims. And um, intimate partner violence and in toxic relationships is very similar. It's, I'll give some examples of how it's just so subtle and you don't at first. real, yeah, at first, at the time. Like this is like months and years of grooming, like 10, 15 years. And um, you don't realize it until it's, happen for way too long and sometimes you've lost friends and family members because of it mm -hmm. um so we'll go ahead and get started the first control tactic is gaslighting and this is where the perpetrator tells blatant lies and constantly accuses the partner of lying they deny ever doing or saying something even when there's hardcore evidence that they did it um they use what is near and dear to the victim as ammunition. Um, they slowly wear down their partner. They strategically use power and um, positive and negative reinforcement. And so um, for people who aren't in psych, reinforcement means um, you want to um, encourage a specific behavior. Positive and negative is like adding or removing something from a situation. So with the positive reinforcement, you're adding something to reinforce the behavior. So I always use my dog as a simple um, just example of that. So if I want to um, increase um, the skill of sitting, I give him a treat after he sits. So I'm trying to think, you may have to think of some examples in relationships while I'm talking about this. Um, and the negative reinforcement 
is you're removing something to reinforce the behavior. So if, um, ooh, I always have trouble coming up with examples for that one. Yeah, it's, it's always, I always forget examples too. Negative of negative reinforcements. Um, you're taking something away, mm -hmm. you want to increase the behavior. Because I always go to punishment, which is you want to decrease the behavior. What is something you would take away to encourage a behavior? Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> I, it's going to take me forever to figure out an example. Um, let me look it up real quick. Maybe just taking something that, like a negative behavior away to improve, like... No, that's... No. Or like... one's always tricky um oh okay 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 i remember um it's really weird uh taking something away to reinforce the behavior so if you for example if you want your partner to do the dishes um he negative reinforcement so if you want your partner to do the dishes um, you nag them so they want to like get rid of the nagging so they do the dishes hmm. okay yeah and another one was like you can get up from the dinner table when you eat two bites of your broccoli so like I think they're just using like getting out of the situation Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really good with reinforcement, but I think even, like, even professors are, like, have a hard yeah, time coming up with like, examples when, for that. Yeah, whenever they're explaining the concept, it's like, I get it, but it's really hard to find, like, real-world examples yeah. of it. So, I think this one makes more sense. Um, you press a button, so that's the behavior, um, to turn off a loud alarm. So that's the stimulus. So it's mm -hmm. you want to like get rid of the alarm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, in terms of gaslighting for reinforcement, I think I think a good one is like trying to get them to stay. Is like you give them giving them a gift to reinforce the behavior of making them happy even after you do something bad, mm -hmm. um, that's what I think of. And then um, the last one in gaslighting is, sorry, my dog kinda cleared his throat, I thought he was gonna throw up, <laughs> but he didn't, um, is demissive of their partner's emotional and cognitive experiences. And that's, that's like a big one. Um, I feel like one of, Okay, gaslighting, I, I was trying to think of an example, and my previous relationship was pretty toxic, 
um, totally gaslighting um, a lot now that I like learned about this information. Um, so an example of that is <laughs> I caught him cheating. Um, there's evidence on his phone and like it's right there in my hands and he's blat like blatantly lying that it happened. And um, I think like I said in the previous podcast, the week that it did happen and I didn't find out till months later, like actual evidence, but the week of, um, I just have this gut feeling that something was wrong and it was off. And I like, it was like, oh, um, it's probably my anxiety, but I think you're cheating on me and denied my emotional experience, blamed my mental illness on it. Um, and, you know, tried to get me the, make me feel guilty for accusing basically. Um, that's something pretty fucking fucked up, but, um, yeah, that's just mean. That's just cold. Like that is something. And so people who fall victim to toxic relationships, a lot of them suffer from a mental illness. And I've talked to my friends who have been in toxic relationships who have a mental illness and the way that we like justified it was like well this person stuck out with me when i was suicidal or when i was very difficult to deal with um i don't have mania but i have a friend who experiences mania and sometimes it gets very severe you don't remember yourself doing things and you can become in a very angry state where it's just really hard to control and so they justify the toxic relationship as well like this person stuck out and i'm never going to find someone who will be able to deal with my mental illness um and that's how you know that's how it began at least in my previous relationship was i am because like he stuck out for that part and he was supportive for that part i stayed in it and really wanted to work through it but like I said, it's a grooming process. So as the relationship progressed, and thankfully it wasn't that long of a relationship, uh, it was a really weird relationship. But as it progressed, um, he, it wasn't like he was supportive, it was like manipulative, using my illness against me. And, you know, making me doubt myself and doubt my, like if I'm in a healthy place in my mental illness, um, things like that, and um, they really, they really use it against you. Um, I think that's what I wanted to get at. People, so people who have who have a mental illness um, fall into um, can easily be in a toxic relationship. People, they love to target people who have issues with their family because mm -hmm. they work off of that. And slowly over time, they draw you from your family, and we'll get into that as one of the um, tactics. But if you have issues with your family, if you have self-esteem issues, if you're insecure, if you have like a weak, like just weak support system, I guess, just overall. Like, yeah. Yeah, even with friends, if mm -hmm. you have to be friends, if you, um, oh God, I heard of someone. From my class who said this her mother was um her mother met her father and they got married pretty quickly and her mother was not from the u.s so 
she was le- she eventually was legal, but there was a point where she just had a green card or a visa, and so basically using that against them, like they would report them if they're in a financial strain, if they're in debt, if they have no money, financially manipulating them. Um, yeah. Alright, now we're going to move into, I guess, discussing just how much, like, if you're in a toxic relationship, just how much um, power, like, will be, like, that person will have. Um, Like, there's, it's just a lot of one-sided, like, power games. So, like, for example, the perpetrator will, like, determine how when and what gets communicated so like whether it's you know with family or friends about you know planning events or really just anything i mean it it pretty much it it all goes through the perpetrator um also an example of um if you are struggling through something like a mental illness they may not want you to tell someone else they may not Mm -hmm. want you to seek help and it's just a way to um manipulate you yeah, and that goes into the next point of, like, making, like, really big decisions, like, really important decisions. So, for example, like, you know, seeking treatment or, you know, just doing anything important or anything that needs to be done, like, it's pretty much, like, up to the discretion of the perpetrator because they're pretty much running the show, again, through, like, manipulation and, and gaslighting. Um, uh, they always get the, They always get the last word. Um, and they always keep major aspects of major aspects of life a secret. So maybe. So kind of like you said, like maybe, like keeping like a mental illness a secret is that. Or like if you have if someone gets cancer or, um, I think the key to that one, what you're keeping a secret, is your relationship what's going on in the relationship Mm -hmm. like what's really going on even even if you're not aware of what's happening at the time if you have an argument they don't want you to talk to anyone about it um but yeah and then the next one the next tactic is mind games so gaslighting falls underneath that but we already talked about gaslighting um one thing that is very common is that they're great in public while mean and controlling in private so to other people they look like a good partner and they want to do that because they want to basically make you look like you're crazy and you're making stuff up so no one will Mm -hmm. believe you like if you Um, like if like if you were to start making like accusations it's it's really it it could be really tough for people to really believe it like you said where it's where it's like it's like like no there's no way that so-and-so is like that you know like y'all are so great and all this and that so the best example i can give of this is so a lot pretty much this information i'm getting from one of my classes and the professor um you know he's a social worker and he teaches social work and psychology classes and it took him a while to realize that uh he had a cup he was friends with this couple like him and his wife were friends with this couple and whenever um, he was hanging out with the guy, 
guy would just say so terrible things about his wife. And he slowly started to realize, like, like, I think she's in an abusive marriage. And eventually, you know, they were trying to seek divorce, and um, they were able to reach out to her and help her out. But he didn't want to believe it. He was like, this guy is, like, a distinguishable, distinguishable professor in women's studies. He's for women. Like, he's a feminist. Like, he can't be abusive in a marriage. Like, he had a really hard time believing it, and he was like, that's what they do, though. Mm-hmm. You never you never think it's the guy. And so... They're like, they just paint... They try to paint this, like, perfect image of themselves, where it's, like... Yeah. It's, like, out of the realm of possibility for someone to be, like... For that to be, like, their true nature. Yeah. Another mind game is that um, they question all of their partner's judgments and decisions. Um... They lie even about things that don't make any sense. Um, I'm trying to think of an example for that, but I can't. But, oh, a big one is threatening self-harm and suicide. If you leave me, I'll hurt myself, I'll kill myself. Yeah. And that's tricky because you don't want that to happen and you don't want to be liable, but they're basically holding you hostage in the relationship. and Creating just like an ultimate, like, ultimatum. Yeah. You know, if it's like, well, if you do this, I'll do this, and it's, you know. Yeah, and then it's hard to, I guess, seek help or seek someone that can help you leave the relationship and make sure that they don't do that because they are, they are people who are mentally ill. Um, people, especially with borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. are really they're naturally. It's really hard for them to not manipulate people, and in relationships, they will. Um, Mo- the most common thing for the people who um, for people who are who have borderline personality is that um, they don't want to be alone and so if something drastic happens if it's very like back and forth like one minute they like love you and then the next they hate you and it's like walking on eggshells and so that's something common that they will do is if you say you're gonna break up with them they'll threaten to harm themselves so it's really tricky because it's like well is this person mentally ill or am i in a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. all right and then the next tactic that we'll get into is isolation which which is a big one um going back to like especially if if um the significant other has like conflicts with you know friends or families and they don't really have you know a good support system um the perpetrator could like use that to their advantage and actively like you know maybe like instigate some conflicts in those areas um or they may even go as far as to suggest that their partner's family isn't good for them or that they're the ones that actually mistreat them um they could also avoid social events so really just kind of keeping pretty much just the perpetrator kind of just keeping their partner like all to themselves pretty much an example of this is someone in my family um was in a toxic marriage and we never saw them in holidays and it started very slowly it started with they missed thanksgiving and they went to uh her spouse's family and then it went to they missed christmas and they went on a ski trip and we probably i 
probably went like a few years without even seeing her. Um, it could, it may have been five, but wow. yeah. Um, and they'll they'll say like, well, I don't really like being around your family, or I don't think they're good for you, so I don't want to go to this family function. Um, so yeah, it's very, it's really subtle. Mm-hmm. And then next point that we have that goes along with isolationism is creating a dynamic in which relationship issues are secret. And we kind of already touched on that before of just really uh, the perpetrator, like really painting, you know, like a picture perfect image of like, you know, I'm a good guy and our relationship is, is pretty good. You know, like everything's all good when in reality, like it's, it's not, um, uh, next point is the perpetrator could physically m- move their partner away from their support system. Um, which can have, like, tremendous, like, impacts of, like, not only being, like, physically away from friends and family, but also, um, like, like, an emotional impact as well. Like, you'll, like, you know, lack that connection, and it will really foster, like, you know, like, a sense of loneliness, you know? So... It's huge. Um, it could... It could easily be like, well, we have to move for my job, no say, really. Um, they'll may manipulate you and be like, oh, well, it's best. We'll be in a new era. We'll make new friends, you mm-hmm. know. And it could be like states away from your family and friends. And that is so, that is just like, I'm at a loss for words. That isolation aspect of being so far away from your family is so key to preventing you from leaving the relationship. Because when you do Mm want to leave, where the fuck are you going to go? You don't have friends. You don't have family. Oftentimes, they control your money. You can't pay for a hotel room or a motel. Um, you could go to a shelter, but shelters have time limits for mm-hmm. how long you can be there. And if there's kids involved, if there's animals involved, it gets a lot more complicated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the next point, uh, tying in iso- um, isolation, is uh, the perpetrator could be overprotective um, and caring, air quotes. But it's really, li- like, for example, it could be, like, constant phone calls you know, like, seeing, like, you know, where are you, you know, where are you going to be this time, all this and that, or, like, they, you know, even more extreme example, they could, like, drive to your workplace and, like, make sure you're actually there, um, and it's just, yeah. <laughs> uh, someone in my family, I have two members of my family who are in toxic relationships, and I'm not really going to give away their identities because I know at least one of them might be comfortable with me doing that um so this is a separate person and when they were trying to leave their partner they were in the divorce process he would call her place of work ask if she was there like call places she goes to to see if she was there um and pretty much stalked her both both of the people in my family were stalked for a while while they were trying to leave and one of them was able to obtain a restraining order. The other person was um, just didn't have the confi- like 
I guess, just didn't have the confidence to go through with it or really was the manipulation. They were in that marriage for so long that they felt like if they went through the process of a restraining order, people wouldn't believe them. They wouldn't get it done. Mm. And thankfully, um, the first person who was in the toxic marriage that got out was there to support the other one and help them through the process. But um, The next tactic is cyber control. And this is... When I see people with joint Facebook accounts, I get a little concerned. It's like, um, it's like an immediate red flag. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a way to control and see who you're talking to. Um, if they have your email passwords, if they look through your internet history, um, look at your phone. That way they can see if you're like trying to reach out for help or if you're looking for a way to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, key one is seeing who you're talking to. Don't want you to talk to anyone of the opposite sex if you're heterosexual. Um, I don't, this is very hetero um, based, but um, it should be the same as if you're in, um, if you're homosexual or if you're, um, uh, my mind is slipping me. Bisexual. <laughs> We're really tired. I'm sorry. I wanted to say bipolar. I'm like, no, it's not like, no, fucking it's, bipolar. It's not bipolar. <laughs> it's not. But anyway, if you're not straight, it should be the same. Um, mm. And I imagine it'd be worse if you are bisexual because they may not want you talking to either anyone. Um, um, restrict internet use. Restrict what websites you go to. Um like I said, joint Facebook accounts. And then the next tactic is unkindness. So perpetrator could really just withhold any um, care, respect, and affection for their partner. Um, and not only like not exhibit that, but also will diminish or minimize the emotions of their partner as we've kind of already touched on. Um, perpetrator could help others in their life but not their partner so it's kind of I guess just another way of just putting them down if you've ever seen Dexter I haven't finished it because I got to a point where I was like I can't it's getting bad but if you get to the point where you get to um, spoiler alert (laughs) I guess a little bit not really um (laughs) If you get to the point where you get to where he finds another serial killer and he basically like befriends him um, to try to understand him and things like that and eventually um, will kill him. But he, I think this was the serial killer that was like his hero or idol because of he was doing it for so long and he didn't get caught in something and basically this serial killer was based like in the community 
huge vol- he made his family volunteer and he, in the community he was so nice and affectionate and would go for habitat and humanity and build houses like every week but at home paint a perfect image <laughs> yeah at home he abused his wife he would lock his daughter in her room for days like totally like everyone felt like they had to walk on eggshells like that's a really good example of um unkindness Mm -hmm. um and then they could also exploit um their partner's intimate disclosures um would that mean just like any like sensitive personal information like maybe something like that i was kind of thinking more of like sexual stuff oh okay but it yeah it could be something that they may not want everyone to know about right like maybe something that was meant to be like you know just between them and he'll he'll, you know yeah uh next one is this chronic lying as we've already touched upon especially like if if there's evidence for it or if there's not but just just chronic lying just all around and then um and then last point is just ignoring the partner's needs i mean they'll just brush just brush them away kind of put put what they want to do first and just you know maintaining or you know trying to maintain the control mm-hmm. so the next tactic is uh degradation and this is where they minimize the partner's strengths and achievements. So say, like, oh, I'm trying to think of something my ex did that was like that. Um, but the best example I can think of is you get, um, so for, I think I was dating him at the time when this happened, actually. I'm trying to think. No, I don't think so. Anyways, um, so for one of um, my achievements, I got into an exclusive um, government honors program that's for um, first-generation low-income college students or um, underrepresented groups, um, so like Hispanic, African-American. Um, and it was I didn't think I was going to get in. It was very competitive because I only fall, I was only um, eligible by my ethnicity. And so they only had like two spots for that. And when I got in, I felt like a huge achievement. And um, like I, I cried a little bit. I was so excited. And um, I can't remember if I was seeing my ex at the time, but if it did happen or if it didn't, they would, the best thing that a toxic person would say would be like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, I knew you get in. Like, anyone could have gotten that. Not a big deal. Getting, like, if when I got into grad school, they'd be like, oh, everyone. Be like, so? Like, you're not the first person to go to grad yeah, school. Yeah, like, you're not special. It's not, it's not the point. <laughs> you're not skilled. Right. Um, and, oh, constantly correcting the partner. Mm. That's so annoying. Um, I think um, a really dumb one I'd be would be like grammar, or like yeah, yeah, 
Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of something that might be... But um, public humiliation... Ooh. Um, so an example of this is... And this is like very beginning stuff um, for grooming in a toxic relationship. You're out with friends. Um, you're getting... You're drinking. And the perpetrator calls you a stupid bitch. Um, or... Um, the up the significant other stupid bitch or whore or something in front of all her friends and um and i'm not saying that i just want to clarify like we are using the perpetrator as him and the um the significant other as her because mostly men commit are um, perpetrators but that's not to say that women aren't as well um and we don't want to like push down or not touch base on that because it does happen Mm -hmm. and it's very hard for men to admit that they're in a toxic relationship and get out of it and get people to believe them because it just it's so it's just common for people to see men being abusive to women not to say that doesn't happen the other way around but say that the perpetrator is male and does this and um you course you're upset and your friends are like what the hell like what was that all about yeah it's like (laughs) and you may be you may dismiss it or you may forgive them because they'll probably say oh i'm sorry i was drunk like i didn't mean it and you may brush it off but that's like a very early warning sign even if even if like your significant other is intoxicated why would they be calling you a bitch if they care about you? Like, you've been, we've been drunk together, drunk together, like we drink every day, no. We've, there's been times it's, where it's, we've been drunk together and he's never. It's like, even then, like, it's just, that that never, just, that thought well. never goes, it's that thought like never crosses my head. It's complete opposite. It's so it's like, like, you really can't, like, that's not a real excuse. And also, like, I feel like, Whenever people do get drunk, they kind of show them their true selves and how they feel about you. Yeah, I've heard that. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, maybe it's like... The first time um, we got drunk together, he drank way too much and blacked out. And I had to, like, tell him when he did, but it was just so cute. And (laughs) it kind of strengthened our relationship a little bit. But basically, he was... um, is it okay if I tell them? Nah. No? Nah. <laughs> well, can I just say what you said? I don't even... What did I say? <laughs> he was just saying repeatedly, like, how much... I don't know if we said we loved you yet or not, um, but just how much you, like, liked me and appreciate me, and you're like... Yeah. Oh, you're so beautiful, and stuff like that, and it was just You know, like, stuff I say every, every day. <laughs> but my point is, is, like, it never... All the times that you know we've been intoxicated that has never happened and i feel like that's not it a, never should in a healthy relationship never sh- yeah and just like i said that's not a real excuse you know? know yeah um so another degradation um is creating the belief that the relationship is the best you can do said that earlier especially with mental illness um puts down their beliefs interests and passions um it's kind of also another tactic for isolation like yeah. I don't want you going to go work out at the gym with your friends 
Um, you don't need that. You look totally fine. Like, you look perfect just the way you are. Um, or, like, with passions, it's like, oh, well, I don't, you know, it's like, oh, like, well, what, what if I want to go to school? You know, I want to go to school here. And it's just like, no, like, I don't think that's a good idea, you know? You know what I mean? So it's like. Um, a really good example of that is my high school boyfriend's mom. She was terrible, but I realized she was in a toxic marriage because she, they were struggling financially, and she wanted to go back to school um, to do something she was really passionate about, and her husband did not want her to go because he did not want her to make friends and talk to people. And I think she's out of that now, thankfully, but that's another tactic as well. Mm-hmm. And then the, uh, the next tactic is separation abuse. Um, so what the abuser does after their partner leaves, um, kind of touched on it before, but like, you know, like stalking behaviors, like for example, they could leave notes on the windshield of their car, um, excessive phone calls, like we've said before, um, leaving unwanted gifts, like really just creepy, creepy. Yeah. Being like all up in your face with it. And it's really think of like you, um, if you watched Jane the Virgin, <laughs> um, Petra, her her previous marriage to Milos, that's really good example. Mm-hmm. He would leave really flowers is. in her room, um, and it's like, how the hell did you get in my apartment? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how she knew like he was around. It was these like specific flowers, leaving maybe like leaving flowers on the doorstep and with like a note like, oh, you look so beautiful today. And it's like, how the hell did you see me? you know like it's not flattering it's weird <laughs> it's really it's unsettling okay. yeah yeah it's very very unsettling um there um there could be endless legal hearings aimed at diminishing your financial and emotional resources um uh, another thing so my someone in my family when they were leaving um their toxic spouse he missed the court appearances um for the the divorce process kept rescheduling them took like a year to get divorced from him it was an it was just terrible um using visits with the children if there are any children as a opportunities to harass the victim further um and then using social institutions to emotionally blackmail women so for example like if there are children or pets involved um, they could just threaten to gain custody over them. So, like, try to, like, literally take them away from you. Get full custody. Uh-huh. No visitation rights. No visitation, yeah. Um, and this is very, very true if the, the significant other is maybe comes from low income, can't get a lawyer, but their spouse is, you know, maybe, like, a, businessman um has a lot of money knows a lot of powerful people just like good lawyers just like yeah very common Mm -hmm. um also uh using tactics to get their partner back like uh making the promise to change or like start acting really caring and you know showing affection or doing big romantic gestures um but then once the if the 
once the partner returns, um, the abuse slowly begins again, which can cause this cycle of that Yeah. in a lot of cases where it's like, um, like, especially if I feel like the example I'm thinking of is like, if it's abusive or, you know, if like an incident of abuse happens and it's like immediately like, oh, you know, I didn't mean that. Like, you know, I love you. You know, you mean the world to me. And it's just like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, and like maybe the, maybe the partner will forgive him but then like you know cycle continues with that a really a really good um just depiction of an uh, intimate partner violence is big little lies season one i haven't seen the new season but I've never seen it. <laughs> um i'm not sure if this is from this from that show or another show but basically he before he went to work he accidentally slapped his wife or pushed her against a wall too hard and she got like a bruise um like a mark mm-hmm. and he came home later that day with like a diamond necklace apologizing said he would never do it again um using gifts as a way but um and then and then the last point we have which is really extreme is if the perpetrator straight up like threatens like to kill their partner and happens they they go through with yeah. it you see it on the news a lot mm-hmm. um boyfriend kills girlfriend um it's very sad um <sighs> makes me sad it is yeah um but yeah that's fucking scary you don't know if they're bluffing you don't know if they're serious and um oftentimes um let me see if we'll get to it so i don't yeah, we'll get to it. So I'll tell you later. Um, but the next tactic is denial, minimizing, blaming, and forgetting. So minimizing their actions, especially mm. like throwing, like hitting you, um, physically assaulting you, um, blames the abuse on external factors like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just stressed from work, or um, I just like. I just have issues with rage because of childhood trauma, like my dad um, beat, beaten, beaded his wife. What? No, just beat. Beat his wife. <laughs> I swear I have a college degree. <laughs> I'm not dumb. I'm just but like tired. Y- but just using to try like any childhood trauma or just past experiences to 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 try to justify like well not justify but just like explain their behavior explain their behavior and you see this in um sexual offenders as well there's this Mm. common misconception that a lot of sexual predators were um sexually abused as children and that's not it's i don't it, it's not like because you were molested, you'll molest other people, and they try to use that as an ex- as an excuse for their behavior to justify it. Um, and then another example is blaming the partner for abuse, where it's like, well, you stressed me out. You mm. made me. Like, you're the cause of yeah. why I did that. Yeah. Um. It's your fault. Like, you deserve this. Mm-hmm. Um, the next tactic that could be used is using the children, if, if there are children involved. Um, like using the children to get information about their partner to use against them. So going back into blackmailing, like we've already said before, um, the perpetrator could alienate the children from the partner. Um, 
they could threaten to gain full custody of the children, as we've mentioned before. Um, and just really just use the children to maintain power and control over the partner. Like, for example, you know, if you don't if you don't stay with me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hurt your children. I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll harm your children. Um, Some An example would be, um, say you're out grocery shopping and your child calls you, calls, uh, calls you saying, <laughs> calls you saying that they're, they're scared, dad's acting weird, he won't let us leave our room, um, he's drinking, mm-hmm. making loud noises, um, that's an example of also what we're about to get to, which is symbolic aggression, um, but, you know, if you're thinking of leaving, they may do that, um, to try to convince you to stay, um, kind of, like, hold your kids hostage a little bit. Mm-hmm, and use them as, like, leverage it is over so, you. It is so difficult, um, and extremely challenging to get out of a toxic marriage when there's children involved, especially young children, mm-hmm. um, because if you do try to leave and you're already isolated, you're like states away from your family, your friends, like not only do you have to find a place to go and stay, but you need to make sure that your kids can eat. They, they may miss school. How are they gonna get to school? You may have not had time to get clothes from the house, so you guys are wearing the same clothes. You guys have nothing. He's financially and controlling you. And, and another point is, especially if they're young children, you know, they, they can't really understand what's going on so like if if the if the partner that's in a toxic relationship decides to like try to leave um the children if if they're really young could like maybe think of them as kind of like the bad guy where it's like well i don't want to leave you know like that could also happen as well yeah that happens you know where it's like why do we have to leave you know it's like we're like i'm fine here but you know again you know like they can't really understand a lot of What's Amber Alerts that you see, it's usually uh, one of the parents picking the kid. Uh, so um, the perpetrator could file an Amber Alert against the kid saying that mom kidnapped mm. them. Could be the other way around if the, um, the perpetrator is holding the kids hostage to try to get mm-hmm. their partner to come back. Um, but most of the time when you there is an Amber Alert, it's someone in the family that has taken the child. Just for if you're ever wondering. Um, and then to finish up this tactic, just the last point is just inflexible over child sharing arrangements. Um, so again, just tying back into the idea that the perpetrator will use the children, you know, as just leverage. Yeah. As just another way to maintain and we, a sense of power. And then the next one is economic control that we kind of already touched based on. Mm -hmm. But um, if you do see Big Little Lies, um, if you have seen season one, um, in that example, the partner wants to go back to work. She's a very good lawyer, and she misses it, and he doesn't want her to go. And he'll use the children as an excuse, like, well, you know, what about the children? Like, you need to take them to school and stuff. And, you you know, like, I don't want you going to work. And um, that's not only for economic control, but isolation as well. Mm-hmm. Won't get you to make friends and stuff. 
um, and then they make all the major financial decisions. You may not have access to your account. You may have a joint pick account. Um, a huge red flag, I would never do this, <laughs> is if you are dating for someone for six months and they want a joint bank account with you. Mm. Um, <laughs> I would even go as far as to say you're not married and they want a joint bank account, but... It's like red flags. It, it but, varies. Because yeah. if you've dated that per if you if you guys don't want to get married and you've dated for... 10 years mm. i don't really see that as a red flag but like five years of just dating and not being married i don't feel comfortable doing that i don't feel comfortable having a joint bank account until i'm married and most people of my generation feel that same way um but they'll use the excuse like well it's just easier you know i don't have to venmo you my half you know um it just it'll just make life easier um it's a control tactic, but um, yeah, it's like we don't have control. Uh, the next tactic could be symbolic aggression. Um, so, for example, like keeps a weapon within reach. A good um, um, like like a constant reminder of like, hey, like that's over there, and it's like I can use that, you know, like very like indirectly, kind of just keeping that thought in the back. Well, a really no, good one mind. is if you are thinking of leaving and you come home and he's drinking and the shotgun is on the table mm -hmm. or a pistol is mm -hmm. on the table and he's starting to get intoxicated. That's a good one. Uh, another thing could be slams cabinets or, you know, like knocks stuff off of tables or counters, you know, just kind of just... Slamming doors. Slamming doors, being, like, just overly aggressive, you know? Punching a hole in a wall. Mm, yeah. I, um, I dated two guys uh, who had punched holes in the walls because they were frustrated about something. And, um, I mean, it, they were... The first one had potential to be a toxic relationship if I had stayed in it longer. They were very good with the grooming process now that I know about it. Um, and it was more of like a pity game, a manipulation game, and less of like putting me down. And then the second one, um, that was more of putting down and stuff like that. But the way I see it is like, even if it is a hole in the wall, soon eventually that'll be you. Be like that'll be your face or that will be your child's face or something that you love and deeply care about and so that's just a red flag it's not saying if that's like the only red flag you see in the relationship or whatever it's not to say that they will be abusive they just have anger management issues mm -hmm. and if that goes unchecked and they don't get that fixed then it has the potential to lead to intimate partner violence mm-hmm um, next point, uh, they could drive recklessly with the partner, um, and or the children in the car, so just, just scaring them. Big little lies, good example. Just using fear, um, and that's the next point, like, they could use looks to create fear, you know, just, just trying to maintain, like, a really, um, like an image just to strike intimidation and fear, um, and then, last point, we kind of already touched on it, was just damages property, so, like, you know, 
punching holes in the wall or, um, you know, taking like, maybe just like taking possessions of their partner and just like, you know, breaking them or just things like that. Um, you know? This was really fucked up, but the one of the people in my family who left a toxic marriage and they were leaving, um, so they suffer from a mental illness as well. When they're leaving, their spouse um, would not give them their medication, would not give them their phone. So she had to try to get a refill, like get like through the insurance. Insurance, if you haven't dealt with insurance companies for medication that you need, like on a monthly basis or a daily basis, it's a fucking bitch to get a refill with you. Um, if it's before what you're allowed to, what when you're supposed to get it. You only get like one override a year and it's like a vacation override. So that was a nightmare. Um, but yeah, um, the next tactic is physical and sexual abuse. So I'm gonna talk about sexual violence first and that's um, not seeking consent. Um, they don't let you give consent. Um, co coercive <laughs> control. By giving um, partner alcohol or drugs to make them unconscious so that they can perform sexual acts without their consent. Um, bondage and sadomasochism against the partner's will. Um, not to say that if a person is into that, that they're a toxic person. It's all about consent here. Mm -hmm. um, it's just making it really clear of like what the boundaries are, like, you know, what, what each, what everyone involved is comfortable with and just just of good communication yeah um sexually degrade or insult a partner especially around friends or family um call them a whore fat shame them um and then for physical violence um beat the partner to stop them from doing something i got like a fly in there it's bugging me um Got it. Like a ninja. Pretty good violence. <laughs> Fly. <laughs> um, they'll punish their partner by abusing them, um, discipline them, harden them, use it to, they use physical violence to dominate them and make them respect the abuser. So I'm actually really happy that we were able to do this. In less than two hours, we're almost done. Um, yeah, because if you don't know, um, we our goal was not to make the podcast two hours. We wanted it to be around 45 minutes to an hour max because um, I don't think anyone will stay for two hours to listen. But for a while, we had some really good discussions mm -hmm. and conversations going. So it lasts a little bit longer. and. Mm -hmm. We're trying to prepare the route, the right amount of material without going over. So I think I found good balance. We're still working on it. Yeah. But, um, no, you did a good job. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we just have questions from viewers. And the first one is how to deal with gaslighting if it's a family member doing it. Because you can't cut that person out of your life because they're family. Um, that's a really good question. Um, it really depends on who the family member is. Um, if 
it is like a parent, that be may maybe more difficult. But if it's a distant family member, like a distant cousin or an aunt and, or an uncle, mm-hmm. just avoid them. Try to avoid them at all costs. Um, and try to ignore them. If you're at a family function, just try to separate yourself from them. Um, it's just it's just so tricky if it yeah. if it's with family because i mean of course the idea is like oh you know family is supposed to you know look out for each other and take care of each other so it's like if if someone is you know doing something awful you if, know if i had more information on the relationship to the person asking this question i may be able to answer a little bit better um because like if it is a parent that would be very hard to separate yourself from that and try to ignore them Mm -hmm. um but with that being said um if you think that they're doing it to another family member ask ask around ask someone you're comfortable with you're close with in the family tell someone um that may help um they may say like hey like yeah i I experienced that too. You may have to like, explain what gaslighting is to them as well and give them examples. Yeah. And it's very, it, it'll really, like, honestly, you kind of have to make your case for these things because mm-hmm. um, toxic people are so good at having this presentation that they're good people mm-hmm. in public when they're terrible in private. Um, so provide examples of things they've done to you. Talk to a family member um, who you're comfortable with talking to about it um, and see mm-hmm. if someone else is going through it and if you could. Um, even if it's like, it can even be like subtle things where you could bring up like, hey, have you ever noticed how so-and-so does this from time to time? And who, like, who knows? Yeah. Who you knows, don't have to who, call them out. Yeah, you don't have to like make it a big deal, but just kind of ask, you know, about, about subtleties that you notice. And like, who knows? Maybe like someone else is like, you know what? Like actually have noticed that too and it, you know you can that's how it started that's how it started with uh my professor when he found out when mm-hmm. he was like having some suspicion he talked to his wife and was like have you noticed like he's mm-hmm. doing this mm-hmm. and she's like yeah it's so, kind of not yeah, doesn't right. look too good yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then the last question we got is why do you think the divorce rate is a little over 50 percent in the u.s so I will post this um, diagram to our Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, um, but it's a graph of the number of divorce and marriages in the U.S. from 1860 to 2010. And um, yes, the divorce rate is a little over 50% today, but something that you should um, think about is what age groups are getting divorced because a lot of people in my generation see this and they're like, I don't want to get married mm-hmm. because of divorce. I, yeah, I keep I keep hearing and seeing that like millennials, like our generation compared to like previous generations are getting married just in generally, we're getting married less and um, or we're getting married at like older ages and like same thing with like having children. Like Yeah, so... Um, there was, uh, the first spike of divorce was in 19, um, 19, wait. Did you mean to put 1940? Like, uh, like right here? 
No, I didn't mean to say the first spike. I meant to say that the highest spike in divorce was in 1980 and 2000. Oh. And um, the first spike in marriage, the highest spike, the first one, was in 1950. And so, and then... Yeah, I'm trying to think. The reason for that is probably because so World War II? Basically, previous to 1950, people were getting married for survival needs. Mm, uh, yeah. So for food and for reproduction, you need children to work on the farm. And then around 1950, um, it started to shift, and people started to marry for companionate reasons. So for love, for companionship. But there was this, um, especially in the U.S., the societal pressure to get married young. Um, so what we're seeing in the graph is that the people who are getting divorced um, in 1980s and 2000s are the baby boomer generation. Um, so I'm 22, it's not my parents' generation, it's their parents. So people now who are in their 60s, um, typically um, divorce happens, it's really common for it to happen after children have left the house because they'll usually stay for their children and after the children leave they're like this is terrible like we have nothing in common um it could be like changes in lifestyle you grow you change into different people um just not getting along anymore um bickering all the time and you just want different things and so most of the people who are getting divorced aren't newlyweds it's not people in our generation it's baby boomers, older people, because of that societal pressure pressure to get married before cohabitating. Um, so you may get, you don't live together before and you're like, crap, I hate living with this person. They don't clean, they force me to do all the cleaning, stuff like that. And then um, the highest marriage um, spike was in the late 70s and 90s. Um, and that's when we do start to shift to the companion love, um, but, no, sorry, 1970s to now, it changed from companion love to, um, basically using marriage for self-discovery, for personal growth, you're no longer really seeking, um, a companion, because maybe you've already experienced that in cohabitating and now you're more interested in how can this person help me grow to become the person I want to become, um, things like that. And um, basically once I post a graph, you can see that marriage is on the decline. Um, and that's not to say that people don't wanna get married or are not interested in marriage. It's that it's on the decline because people are waiting longer to get married. They um, want to cohabitate first and figure things out. Um, a lot of it is financial stuff. Uh, weddings be expensive. <laughs> you're in yes, student loans. Not ready to commit. Yeah, that was one of the, that was one of the points I saw as to why like, you know, people are you know our age or around our age get married less because it's like oh you know a lot of us went to school and have like student loans or we're in debt and it's just. But yeah, fi financial reasons is a big part of it. Yeah. But it's also for some people who are low income, that's a reason why they may get married. 
is because of the financial benefits in terms of taxes. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, some people, they rush to marriage if they get pregnant before. Um, but marriage is on the decline and divorce is starting to decline. So I, th- I think in the next five or ten years, it won't be but 50% anymore because we're really seeing that number from baby booner, baby boomers, <laughs> baby boo-boos, <laughs> <laughs> baby boo-boos, baby boomers, and um, you could say like my parents' generation a little bit, uh, but it's more baby boomers um, who are getting divorced. The alarming thing right now is that marital satisfaction is at an all-time low right now. Um, I feel like a lot of that has to do with financial aspects. Um, But at least if you rush into marriage and you don't cohabitate first, you may have issues like partners just annoying the shit out of you because they don't do the dishes or something. Um, it could just be, um, sexual intimacy issues. Um, also, if you are low income and you don't have a college degree, the strain is going to be harder because you may be working multiple jobs or you may be working long hours. By the time you get home, you don't want to have sex. You don't really want to, you want to just be alone and relax. You don't really want that quality time. And if there's kids involved, it's really easy for that to strain as well. Um, there may be bickering about how partner doesn't help enough with the kids or something like that, or works late too much, works too much, mm-hmm. things like that. And uh, we did talk about in the previous podcast about love languages, and I think that can really, even though it's not entirely scientific, it's you know it's important good, it's, to. It's good to keep in mind. Yeah, Um, trying to figure out how you can show your partner that you love them because it's different. And for me, like, I'm going to be more satisfied in a relationship if the person is helping out and, you know, um, giving me that um, positive feedback, um, words of affirmation, whereas with him, I know, like, you know, to make this work, I gotta spend a lot of quality time with him, and, you know, be affectionate, hugs, and stuff like that, so. Also, people who have, who only have a high school education, divorce more, um, and that may just, it could be with the whole income thing. Yeah, I think that just goes back to the financial thing, because in today's day and age, I mean, this, it, back in the day, like, in the, you know, 50s and 60s, like, yeah, you can go to, you know, get a high school diploma and you're pretty much good to go, but in today's day and age, I mean, if you really want to advance and, like, you know, you, you, really, you really need to get that education, and it's like, with just a high school education nowadays, it's like, you're pretty limited to what you can do, so I think that's just, you know, money. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, with the college degree, no matter where you go, college experience really I feel like it opens your mindset and you learn things that aren't in your degree that can help you in life Mm -hmm. um you learn how to overcome specific challenges and how to um time management key 
but also you learn a lot about relationships in college and how to really manage it. And if you're yeah. with the same person that you've been with since high school, it's really hard to gain, I guess, that experience to figure out what's good and what's healthy. And also, if you only have a high school education, you're not going to be, most likely you're not going to be able to afford it or have the time to work out the relationship and counseling. And you may not even be willing to. Um, so yeah, um, thanks for listening. Um, I will definitely post the graft at the end. Um, I am a little tired today, so I may not do it till tomorrow. But um, um, I really want to get better about after the podcast posting resources if people do want to seek help. So I'll try to post that on all the social media accounts if you are um, in an abusive marriage and you want help on how to get out or if you want more information that we didn't talk about. If you um, know someone and you want to know how to support them, that's very tricky. Um, I'm in that situation a little bit and it's very, knowing what the perpetrator does, they want the friends to leave and isolate them more and it's just it's such a tricky situation because you don't want to support the perpetrator or the relationship but you want to support the person and if you know if you at times you know if you flat out say like I don't like this your significant other they may not come to you ever again for help and so it's very tricky, um, a little bit like walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have the answers for that on how to support them. I'm sure websites that we will um, link to you guys will be more helpful. But all I can say is just listen and let them know that no matter what, whatever is going on with you or them or their relationship, that if they need to escape, if they need someone to talk to, that you'll be there for them and just give them encouragement that they're a good person and that no like they deserve better uh, like I said a little tricky with wording but you know they're a good person and then they can totally find someone that will treat them the way they deserve to be treated um but yeah this actually may be our last podcast I would do and try to do one more before we make the move to California um, we're moving from Texas to California. <laughs> um, I'm for grad school for me, and then we'll apply later. Um, but hopefully, we can do another podcast in two weeks. We were we're going to do addiction, um, just a general one. And like I said, or if I haven't said, but these first podcasts are very general because we do want to just create a general foundation and as time progresses we'll focus on more detailed aspects so if we do want us to talk about addiction again we can talk about specific drugs um and yeah we'll keep you posted we'll let you know um we'll post all of our social media links in the descriptions if you want to follow those and thank you to everyone who asks us questions, it really helps. Um, yeah, we really appreciate them. It just helps just drive discussion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, um, feel free to send us any topics that you want us to talk about. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll be able to do the addiction podcast. 
and then after that we will have to take a break probably for at least a month because we are adjusting to a new city and I'm starting grad school and uh there's a lot going on <laughs> yeah I and I'm gonna have to figure out how intense the workload is and if I could do this um and then if we do if whenever we'll let you guys know when we're able to do it again it may not be every two weeks it may have to be once a month um depending yeah. on our schedules or there may, there may even be like short and sweet podcasts you know where it's like hey is that even possible <laughs> i don't know is yeah <laughs> um but we'll keep you posted and thank you guys so much for listening um and like i said comment anywhere on our social media on what future topics you want us to discuss It'll, we have some topics planned but we're obviously going to like um, facilitate the podcast to what people want to talk about and maybe we'll do like some polls on instagram yeah if we're debating about stuff but yeah, yeah absolutely thank you thank you no <laughs> we, we don't have our mic up here either. we I talked was, about him i was trying to get him over here but not over here <laughs>